Hey everyone, thank you for choosing to spend time out of your day to listen to today's episode. I'm your host, Zachary Aird, and let's get this playing. If you stay till the end of the episode, I'm going to go over one of my favorite breathing exercises to jumpstart your meditation practice. In today's episode, we will talk about meditation, why meditation can be good for you, and how to meditate. Have you ever thought to yourself, what is meditation? Why do professional athletes meditate, or celebrities meditate, or people that we look up to say they meditate? How will meditation affect my life and performance, or even where to start meditation? Well, in today's episode, we are going to answer these topics and get you to start focusing on the breath. So the first topic is, what is meditation? And when people think of meditation, we often think um, the yogi floating, the yogi coming with their self and awareness and this can happen between yogi whether you're a person a regular person and like us like athletes or if you're in a job you can meditate sitting laying down and even walking I prefer sitting laying down I tend to uh, fall asleep but I feel like that's when I'm most secure in my life and secure in my breath that I start to fall asleep or I'm just tired and walking is kind of tough because you have to put away all thoughts and all phone away. And just it's just you and the footsteps that's taking you to your next step. So for me, meditation is by sitting on the floor. You can have a mat or uh, a mat or not. I usually sit on pillows. And you just want to drop the hands in your lap or on your knees, whatever feels comfortable. And the key to meditation is to be relaxed and become focused on the breath and the sensations that you are feeling in your body. And when thoughts and when thoughts keep recurring in your mind, you're supposed to not be judgmental and not think of them in a certain way. But to come back to the breath, you're fine about thinking. It's the natural human process to keep thinking of the brain to just keep giving you thoughts. It's your subconscious trying to distort you from what you're feeling, which is coming back to the breath. So everyone knows meditation has been around for thousands of years and everyone knows it lowers stress, blood pressure, and has the ability to change our mood. What people don't know is that just like different exercises work different parts of our body, meditation can work different parts of your brain. So meditation can actually work the the forehead part of the brain, which is the prefrontal cortex, which does all your motor learning which is very special and how meditation can access that point in your life to improve what I have just said of changing your mood, lowering stress, and blood pressure. Meditation can also help improve your attention to have a deeper focus, and it can lower the threshold of your stress. So for me as an athlete, if it's a, I've never been put in this situation, but if it's a game-winning shot, my threshold of stress is going to be much lower. That's why you see athletes like LeBron, Steph Curry, and Kobe, when they miss a shot, the last the last shot of the game, it tends not to hurt them as much because they know that they can do it again and they know that that time is going to come again. So it lowers your threshold of stress and it can quiet the mind to have less and less negative talk. So like the the example that I just gave of Curry and them, they can actually not access those negative thoughts because they've been there so many times that the stress is not even going to get in their way to miss the shot. They know that making or missing is not going to change who they are as a person. So the biggest takeaway for meditation for me was to always live in the present. When I first started, I had to break the thought, the habit of, <laughs> I had to break the habit of what my thoughts were thinking. And when I used to come down to meditation, 
all the thoughts that are coming in your head. You're a bad meditator. You can't meditate. Why are you meditating? This is for uh, sissy lalas, right? Like meditation is looked upon in the world as you're weird and that you're someone that doesn't belong here. And I'm here to tell you that meditation is the opposite. You start to learn through yourself and what you're thinking and you get to have an awareness of the thoughts that are reoccurring in your head and what you are thinking and what mostly do you care about. So I'm saying this because when you start to identify with your thoughts, such as if I'm thinking that I'm sad, I'm, I'm going to become sad. If my thoughts are that I'm mad, that I'm not joyful, and that I'm full of self-ego, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become those kind of attributes. So like I said, maybe you have thought to yourself that meditation is not for me, or this is hard, I'm sitting down, this is silly. Um, there's no point in doing meditation, basically. But these thoughts are completely normal. And what matters is at the end of the day, it is just you and only you on the mat, and that you're sitting with yourself in silence. So from the bottom of my heart, the voice you hear when you're meditating, when you're going through your day, those voices are not you. And that you are not the one judging things. You are not the one making fun of the other person. You are not the one judging. Those are the voices in your head trying to distort you and what you believe in. But that you are the one who observes the voice and the body. So like any other way, when meditating, you are constantly trying to come back to the breath. So when a thought, re when a thought comes to your brain when you're meditating, don't judge it. Don't, why am I thinking that? Do not judge it. You can, but it will lead you in a different path. But just be aware of what you are thinking. Just guide it to another way. Almost like when our parents used to teach us to how to fall asleep. And they would tell us, just think of the sheep jumping over the fence. Like that's how you want your, you're never going to think about that sheep again once it passes the fence. So that's how you want your thoughts to be when you're meditating. And the more you do this, the more you do this, you're going to take... You're going to take mental reps, and that's why usually mental trainers or mental health coaches use a form of meditation because when you're focused to unfocused, you're getting those reps in. So when I'm meditating and it's only been 10 seconds and I start to think of a thought, then I'm going from focus to unfocused, back to unfocused to focus. And these reps are going to eventually make you become more aware of your breath, more aware of what you're thinking, and more aware of who you are as a person. And then you're going to be more focused than you ever were. So in the end, meditation takes time because you can never be great at it. It's in our human nature to always think and to always think of what people are telling us. And it's up to us as people nowadays to decide, like, we're our own brain and we're thinking of our own things. So always keep coming back to the breath. The next topic I wanted to get into was how I got into meditation. And most of you are wondering, Zach, how did you get into meditation and how did you learn about this or um, basically learn about this? So I had a teacher, a professor in college my sophomore year. His name was Dr. Davini, Dr. Tim Davini. And he went on to explain it was a psychology and sociology of sports class. And he wanted us to bring research our own way of trying to get jitters out of the game. And mine was alternate nostril breathing, which I would later get into, which was the free breathing exercise. So I had to bring this practice in. And while practicing, I was thinking to myself, wow, this is such a powerful breathing, not a powerful breathing exercise, but a breathing exercise that we don't normally typically do. We are constantly breathing every day, but we are never practicing it. 
And I believe that if we practice our diaphragm, practice our breathing, we will become much better people and much better athletes. Another reason I got into meditation was I was scared of what other people would think or say about me when I would tell them that I'm meditating. Usually when someone says they're meditating, it's to find a sort of enlightenment, um, a sort of religion that they're in, such as Buddhism, Hinduism, that involve meditation. But for me, I saw meditation as a form of prayer. And in a book that I read from Phil Jackson, Eleven Rings, he quotes a person named Joel Goldsmith, who claimed that meditation could also serve as a substitute for prayer, a doorway to the divine. So my soft, like I was saying, my sophomore year was a really hard year of playing time, not seeing the floor, and it really struck me. And this brought, not saying that basketball took God away from me, but none of my focus was on God and my purpose here on 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 earth. I just feel like I was young, not enough wisdom, still not enough wisdom. But that I use meditation for uh, a sign of prayer, for feeling that I'm okay and that Jesus and God is protecting me and nourishing me while I'm in this form of prayer and meditating. I felt like I was meditating towards a higher higher being than myself, which was God. And ever since I was a little kid, I never really, I knew what prayer was. I knew how to pray. I come from a good foundation of a Christian family. But prayer for me just felt like asking God um, for for so and so. I God, please make me rich. Like I I didn't want to be that type of prayer. So me getting older and learning that I can pray during meditation and just be silent and just feel God in His presence. I just felt like I was being talked to in a different way, almost like telepathic, but not in that way that I was talking to God, but that He knew what I was feeling, and I know that He was there. So yeah, I just thought it was hard as a Christian to go through my day. And I had to learn that in order to find God and find peace and find joy and find happy, I had to love myself. And that was having a relationship with God. And through this relationship was meditation of me just following my breath and just knowing that he's right there nourishing me and being right there of a watcher and protecting me. There is a book that I recommend, and that is Wherever You Go, There You Are by John Kabat-Zinn. I am pretty sure he is not a Christian author, but the teachings that he teaches in this book lays down all the principles you need to know about meditation. And I found this book early on in my college career, which I wish that I read before, because there is a lot of principles that go into meditation and how you sit, how the posture can change your body. Just like people teach you before... Uh, before an interview, go into the restroom and just scream and uh, be a powerful mood. Like what are they called? The powerful stances. And you could show powerful stances is if you're giving a presentation while your arms are crossed. If your arms are in your pocket, you'll know who's powerful. So this way, meditation can change you through meditation and mindfulness. One of my favorite quotes from this book is that he says, So there can be no one place to be. There can be no one way or to heal. No one way to live no one way to feel no one thing to know or be known and this is basically saying that everyone's on this on this here on earth everyone was handpicked by god to do your journey and i believe there's no one way to success even if there is success because everyone has their own definition of success 
and everyone has their own process on how they're going to get to their journey and all in all it is just you and like i said it's just you sitting down with yourself and being aware of the thoughts and the breath that are going in you and through you so after researching um, after researching with dr davini's class I remember going on YouTube and finding meditation practices and there can be a lot of people that can distort you from what meditation really is. Uh, nowadays yoga is really based on the movement and the movement with breath but the thing people don't forget to do is that meditation is the sole practice of yoga. You are coming back to your breath, you are learning who you are as a person, you are learning what you do and how you do. And the yoga instructors that I found was Bri and Flo. And their YouTube is actually Breathe and Flow, which is pretty crazy how they met each other and their names are like that, unless they changed it that I don't know of. But they were so helpful on the journey of my meditation and my almost like a spiritual guide. They're not Christian, but they showed me through the through the universal language of love that they just wanted to help people out and know that people are struggling out there. And for me, it was sports, and which I really shouldn't really be worrying about sports that much. But it was just, that's my type of stress that's going on in my life at the time. So Bree and Flo were helpful, and I recommend you guys following them. Um, they're not paying me or anything. <laughs> I just know I just know of them through YouTube, and they have really good guided meditations, and they understand. And they understand what you're going through and how a human develops. So yeah, they were, the, they were yoga teachers, and they're not like the typical scary yoga teachers. But the I talk about them. Or I want to talk about them because they always, when it was my first time watching through YouTube, I remember finding them later on. I did a couple meditation videos with other uh, YouTube yoga instructors and I was like, this is not for me. Like, this is not yoga and this is not what I pictured. But it wasn't until a week later, I actually found Bree and Flo. And I remember doing my, my first yoga session. I was like, man, this is the hardest thing I've ever done because it's almost in a way like calisthenics, but I'm not going to say it was calisthenics. It's just you're with your body and you're moving with your body and you're just feeling your muscles and your, your, your bones, your muscles all reacting in a different way. But he had a flow, had a, a saying at the end of the video during our 10-minute meditation to end the practice. And what he said was, the only bad meditation is the one you did not do. And this quote has stuck with me since then, since my sophomore year of college. And when he said this quote, it was, it was just like a monkey just fell off my back. Because he said, the only bad meditation is the one you did not do. Which means... You can't have a bad meditation, or you, the only way you have a bad meditation is if you didn't do it. So I would go to sleep being being like, I need to do my meditation today, even if it's one minute, two minutes, or if I'm laying on bed in the bed on my back, just taking a couple breaths and, and just knowing who I am as a person and that, I'm, that I am here and I am destined to be here and that I was handpicked. The last topic I wanted to get into was how can meditation make you a better teammate? and a better person, or even if it does make you a better teammate and a better person. So you're probably wondering, Zach, how can meditation help me as an athlete, help me as a person in a job, help me as a manager, a CEO, how can meditation help me? And I would just tell you, just look at all the greats that meditate. Just to name a few athletes is Kobe, LeBron, Curry, and a few celebrities 
like Steve Jobs and George Lucas. Kobe, LeBron, Curry play in the NBA. Steve Jobs is the development of Apple, and George Lucas is the creator of Star Wars. These are just a few names that just resonate with me when I was on my journey to meditation and just seeing people who have all the money in the world, all the fame in the world, but what they practice, what we don't practice as normal human beings, I wouldn't say normal human beings, but us as regular people, we don't just sit down with ourselves. And they're, they're clicked into something more, much more greater than we are and that they found themselves through meditation. What resonated with Kobe was when he said, I think it's important because it sets me up for the rest of the day. It's like having an anchor. It's like having an anchor if I don't do it. It feels like I'm constantly chasing the day as opposed to being controlled and dictated the day. Kobe would always start his morning practices with mindfulness and meditation. And, you know, he there's always the stories of him up from 2 to 5 a.m. And he would meditate right when he'd wake up during his morning routine just to set up his day for greatness because he knew if he had a great meditation or a bad meditation, it would set up his day to having a good day because he knew that he was in charge of his mind and that his mind wasn't in charge of him. Steve Jobs. I learned about Steve Jobs in in college after doing a almost like a presentation of him. But he talks about meditation by, if you just sit and observe, you will see how restless your mind is. If you try to calm it, it only makes it worse. But over time, it does calm. And when it does, there's room to hear more subtle things. And Steve Jobs is right. He had all the time in the world to do whatever he wanted. He's the creator of Apple. But he took a few minutes, a couple a one hour, 45 minutes of his day to just sit down and observe. And he talks about it in his quote, how restless the mind can be. And we're not training our minds. We are so linked into the iPad, to the phone, to video games, and that we're not linked into with ourselves. So a little story that I learned about Steve Jobs when I was doing my presentation was, of course, he had a dad, but his dad was a mechanic. And he actually installed fences on the side, I'm pretty sure. And Steve Jobs was telling his dad, hey, I'll, I'll come work with you for a day or I'll help you out. So they went out and started doing offenses. And Steve Jobs, you know, like any other son, he was asking his dad, why do you take the time to paint the inside of the wood planks if no one's going to see it? So if you can imagine your two hands in front of each other and they're the two plank of woods and you paint the inside and then you Put your hands together. No one's ever going to see the inside of your hands, but Steve Jobs' dad painted the inside. And these were like your typical white fences with the pointed, um, not an arrow, but a pointed arrow at the top and the white fences that went around the house. And Steve Jobs just asked him, why do you paint the inside of the fences if no one's going to see it? You're wasting time. You're not, it's not doing anything. And his dad says, this is what separates people from their dedication and their perfection. The dad said he knows no one's going to see it, but he knows exactly why he did it. He doesn't, the dad was basically telling Steve Jobs, he knows no one's going to see it, but that I know that I did it for my own sake and that I'm, I'm trying to dive into perfection and dedication into my own little process in this moment. So this story is pretty fascinating because Steve Jobs 
actually added this philosophy into his Apple products. So if I were to break my iPad right now and throw it on the floor, it would open up and you would see the inside of an iPad, inside the Mac, inside the iPhone. And this is an iTech dream of what, how the iPad and how these Apple products are laid out inside where the wires are, where the chips are. Everything is laid out for perfection so that anybody can really work on it. Like right now, if you go look up on a YouTube video, you can fix your own phone because Steve Jobs made it the dedication and perfection for you to make it an easier process. So it's pretty special that Steve Jobs took what his dad taught him about dedication and perfection and taught him that basically this is going to change your life forever and that you can use this process with anything you do. And look where it brought Steve Jobs. It brought him to be the, produ I mean the producer, the creator of Apple which is pretty crazy. The next person that I actually uh, talked about was George Lucas. And if anyone y'all don't know, George Lucas is actually the Star Wars creator and the person who wrote the Star Wars. But he references that Jedi's or Sith Lord's consciousness is achieved when one has put in the work and time to become a master at meditating. Through the movies, you see Yoda meditating, you see Luke Skywalker meditating, Anakin Skywalker um, Darth Vader in his meditation chamber. You see these uh, Jedi and Sith Lords meditating. But George Lucas actually brought that into his movies because he wanted to show people that he meditated and through his practice that everybody can meditate too. What we don't know is that Jedi's actually meditated, meditated toward the good by quieting their mind, but the Sith Lords concentrated their minds toward anger and fear. And this is when you see Anakin start betraying everyone and believing in himself, which is full of ego and self-pity. While Obi-Wan Kenobi was basically saying, my allegiance is to the Force and that it's a democracy. Great quote, by the way. But George Lucas was basically saying that Jedis and Sith Lords meditate, but while meditating for different things, different outcomes come out of it. So... Just to change a little subject, I know a bunch of athletes who go through performance anxiety, anxiety alone, and this is just like the jitters before a game or uh, a certain family member is coming to the game and you're nervous about it, you know, you don't want to play to your hardest, and this is all normal, right? This is your body and your, your subconscious telling you that this is normal, but what you don't want to do is fight against your jitters and nervousness. You want to be one with your nervousness. You want to just tell people, I'm nervous. You know, I, I've gotten up to do a presentation and I would just try to make people laugh because that would be my way of getting my jitters out is that people are just like you. Everyone's afraid to go up there and give a presentation. Everyone's afraid to go make the game winning shot. And it's the people that separate themselves to be with their anxiety and with their performance. So performance anxiety actually comes from measuring your self-worth based on your performance. So if your self-worth is based on how many shots am I going to make today, um, how many audits can I finish today, can I be the best worker today, if you're determining and measuring your self-worth for your outcome of your performance, then you are not going to succeed in life. I'm telling you this right now. If you measure your self-worth on the shots you make, the shots that I miss, the game-winning rebound, you are not going to have a good outcome in life. But that if you measure your self-performance or your self-worth on things such as, can I be a great teammate? Can I high-five all my teammates today? Can I tell someone that they look good today? Can I be nice to someone? Those are all goals that everybody wants. And this will actually relieve you to have performance anxiety and actually find 
peace in your enemies and your opponents. Not that we all have enemies, but we also do have opponents. And when you can find peace in your opponent, then you're going to come out on top. So meditation can actually come in and swoop that away. And it could take away performance anxiety, just like I was saying. And you can meditate before a game, just like you see athletes pray, you know, Tim Tebow getting on one knee. That's a, that's a form of prayer, just to come back to the breath and just say, you are you. Like the fans, the refs, the coaches, the players, those are all subcomponents to your life. But when you sit with yourself in silence and let your body do what it wants to do, you will become a better performer or human being. And this is why athletes can actually play freely and get in the zone much faster is when they just start having fun. This is why you see NBA players smiling on the court, having fun. It's why you can see Curry go from a smile to 40 points in a game because he knows who he's made of and he's let his body, he's letting his body do its own thing because he's trained to it. There's that story of, um, you know, the Marines who they say you fall to the when you when all else fails you fall to your training and that's just like a perfect saying of like if you put the effort and you put training in then what are you to be afraid of you you did all the work you did your hard work so a game a test isn't going to be your self-worth don't base your self-worth on performance so a lot of athletes struggle with comparison and locking in to be in this moment right now but you have to understand that it's hard as an athlete to be in the moment such as if I throw a turnover and my coach just yells at me, pulls me out of the game, it's hard to stay in the moment. And I can't tell my coach, hey, coach, you're not in the present moment. Those those outcomes are not going to work. But what you can do is control the outcome of what happens after that turnover. Can I get back on defense? Can I get the game? Can I get a stop and get us a, another chance to score? Or if you're in a job, if I said something mean to a, to a coworker, do I have the courage to go over there and tell them I'm sorry or I'm sorry that wasn't me? Not many people get to do that nowadays and it's all behind a screen. So once again, don't try to base your self-worth on your performance and always try to stay in the moment. It's just like when the story of like tryouts, you know how you're in middle school and you're trying out for a basketball team, baseball team. And you're looking around the room of all 50 kids and the coach is basically saying, all right, we got 10 roster spots. We got 12 roster spots and you're counting. He's going to make it. He's going to make it. And then you get to that one kid like, oh, my God, we're both fighting for this roster spot. Like, why are you comparing yourself? Like God already God already chose what's going to happen in the future. So you can actually control your present moment. We already know the answer to what's going to happen. But can you control this moment? Don't let the moment that's already processed and written down in life portray your moment that's happening right now so there's a story that actually goes with being in the moment and the reality of the outcome and self-worth and performance and this is a story that i read in george mumford's book the mindful athlete there's a he talks about a grandpa and a grandson talking and the grandpa goes on to tell his grandson that there are two wolves fighting against each other every day in our lives. And one wolf is evil and one wolf is full of good. The wolf is who is evil is filled with anger, envy, arrogance, self-pity, and the worst of all, ego. And the other wolf who is good is filled with joy, peace, love, kindness, empathy, truth, compassion, and best of all, he's full of faith. 
And the grandpa goes on to tell his grandson that this, these two wolves are fighting in you every single day, my child. And the grandson looks at him and says, all right, grandpa, like who wins? If one is good and one is evil, which it's like Lord of the Rings, which one will win? And the grandpa looks him in the eye and says, the wolf that wins is the one you choose to feed. And that's a powerful quote because everyone has a chance to change the outcome of their day by the wolf they feed. Can I be a good wolf? I mean, we all want to be a wolf. Can I be a good person and be filled with joy and peace and faith and walk with God or whatever religion that you believe in? Or can I be on the bad side, wake up on the bad side of the bed and be full of ego and self-pity and arrogance? This is great because we all have the choice to pick which wolf to feed and is in our human nature to have that choice. We have the free will to go out there and be mean or have the free will to be nice. So what I'm asking you is to have the courage to win over the evil wolf and be a part of the good wolf. When there comes an obstacle in your day, can you fight that hump and fight the courage to win over the evil wolf and become that good person? If someone yells at you, can you feed the good wolf and just know that that person that yelled at you is actually going through something or is going through someone at home? Or if someone fires you, why did they fire you? Find the good in it. Maybe God is setting you up for uh, another plan to get fired. You th you're putting your mindset on something is not going to change the outcome on it. So God puts you in a place and faith puts you in a place of what can you do to change the outcome? I'm not mad that I got fired. I'm not mad. And that you can find joy in it. You can find that he's laying another foundation. He's opening another chapter for your book. So that segment was about... Was about meditation. That If it makes you a better teammate and a better person. So my final answer is yes. It can make you a better person. And if something does happen, just come back to the breath. And just know that this person is just mad at himself. And maybe you can teach him what I'm teaching you and teach him about the good wolf and the bad wolf. And when you're thinking of meditating, just think about all the people who have meditated. Um, we are kind of those human nature that likes to be around people. Maybe grab a friend and meditate. Maybe grab your dog and meditate. Just find joy in the things that you can control. We can't control all the outcomes, but what we can't control is what we do right now, right here. So that is how meditation can make you a better teammate and a better person. So like I was saying, if you stay to the end, thank you very much. And we're going to go over one of the breathing exercises that I use to jumpstart my meditation, which is lunar breathing. What I mean by jumpstarting my meditation is usually you can if you want to, but usually you don't want to go straight into your meditation practice, which will make it hard because your body doesn't know the difference of what you're doing and why you're doing it. So what I usually do is follow a guided uh, yoga practice and then I'll get into my meditation or if I'm short on time being a college student, a college athletic, athletic, college athlete, it is very hard to find time to do that. So what you want to do is do an activity or do something and then end it by doing a breathing exercise. And the one that I'm going to show you is called lunar breathing. And this is almost called uh, alternate nostril breathing. So what you want to do is sit down, and if you can, do cross-legged. If you can't, that is okay. What you want to do is grab your right hand, and we will be using your right ring finger and your thumb. And you're wondering what you will do with your uh, pointer finger and your middle finger. And you're either going to tuck those in, or you're going to place them on your eyebrows. 
and what's left is the pinky and that can just chill out and just be there so tuck your two uh, your middle finger and your index finger and have your ring finger and your thumb ready so what you want to do is inhale and then exhale all the air out you are now going to begin by closing the right nostril with your thumb leaving your left nostril open to inhale once you get to the top of the inhale on your left nostril you are going to close your left nostril with your ring finger on your right hand and now you're going to exhale that inhaling hair out of your right nostril and that is one round of lunar breathing so once again you're going to want to use only your thumb and your ring finger and inhale all your air in through your nose exhale all the air out of your nose and after you're on the bottom of your exhale you're going to close your right nostril and breathe in through your left nostril and once you get to the top of your inhale in your left nostril you're going to now close your left nostril with your ring finger and empty all your air you're going to exhale all your air through your right nostril and that is lunar breathing this is usually done to uh, align your parasympathetic nervous system thank you Zach and it just aligns it so that you can be better prepared and better prepared for your meditation to be one with yourself I enjoyed this episode and podcast and love talking about meditation and the benefits that come along with it I hope you'd enjoy it and always to feed the good wolf whether an obstacle comes your way feed the good wolf and be full of faith Next episode, I'm looking forward to answering a deep question such as if we're wasting our time or what's one thing your inner child will be proud of. So stay tuned for that. Next, follow this podcast podcast's Instagram at Zachary's, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y-S underscore metamorphosis. The E being a three and the two O's and metamorphosis being zeros. Once again, follow this podcast's Instagram at Zachary's underscore metamorphosis. Thank you for listening and remember to always come back to the breath. Mm-hmm.